Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about all the negativity in the market at the moment. Um, Things like fears of a global or domestic recession, you know, the US-China trade war, um, Mr. Trump's rhetoric, Brexit, low interest rates, uh, in fact, falling interest rates and possibly zero or negative interest rates. What will the property market do? Will it recover, you know, or is is it all over for property? All these things are really common in the media lately. And um, the the problem is that they seem to dominate the news and they confuse people. And even worse still, they can create some inertia. You know, you just don't know how to navigate these changes or these seemingly turbulent times. And so you end up not making a decision at all. Whereas I believe... Uh, it should be relatively easy to navigate these turbulent times. In fact, any turbulent time, if you stick to the right fundamentally sound investment strategy and approach, and that's what I'd really like to talk to you about. Now, last week, the Australian share market between uh, Tuesday and Thursday fell 3.7%. And these sorts of dramatic movements typically attract alarmist headlines from uh, from the media and, and so forth. And it feels like when we're in times like this that, you know, everything's just falling apart. But, you know, in reality, actually even taking into account the fact that it fell 3.7% last week and has now made up about 1% since then, but even taking that into account, the market is still up over 10% over the last 12 months, which is much better than most other developed markets. Also, when you look at the volatility index. So it's something called, for short, VIX index or volatility index, and they have them in different markets. But if you look at the US market, given it's such a deep and extensive market, it's the largest developed market uh, in the world. Um, If you have a look at, and what it does is it measures volatility in the market. So how risky uh, is the market looking and how volatile are prices at the moment? So the long-term average, or long-term mean, I should say, of the VIX index is 18.3%. So 18.3% is, if you like, normal. Um, Through calendar years 16 and 17, the VIX averaged uh, 13.2%, so well below the average. In 2016 and 2017 calendar years, there wasn't a lot of volatility, and maybe we got used to that you know, well below level volatility. Since the beginning in 2018, the VIX has averaged at 16.6%, which is still 25% higher than what was in 16, 17, but still well below the long-term mean. So in actual fact, if we look back and go, well, the market is really risky because, you know, we've got the media talking about Trump and trade wars and global recessions and so forth. But in actual fact, if you look at the long-term trend over the past 20 years, the market is, in fact, uh, not very volatile at all. And, and if you compare it to 2008 to 2011, which is really you know, covering the, the, the heights of the, or lows, I should say, of the global financial crisis, volatility was almost twice as high as it is today. So the point I'm trying to make is that it's important to focus on the data and facts rather than how the media is making us feel. 
because a lot of these stories make us feel uncertain and a bit worried and a bit concerned. But the reality is when you look at markets and the fundamentals behind them, it isn't as bad as it might might first look. Uh, so the best way to deal with these often over-exaggerated topics, you know, that, that the media in particular love to talk about, uh, is to really ask yourself what impact will these things have in 20 years' time from now. So in 20 years' time from now, will I be looking back in 2019 and saying, wow, that happened? For example, the global financial crisis is something that is significant, you know, and has been significant. You look back and think about 2008, 2009, it was a tumultuous time and there was lots of changes and lots of risks and things happening in the marketplace. Uh, But if we have a look at, you know, what's the impact of Brexit in 20 years... Uh, I, I suspect, and if I'm, uh, if you ask me to bet, I think Brexit will just slowly disappear. I think they're going to have to maybe have another referendum and and uh, and revote on it, clarify what leaving the EU really means, and what the constituents really want out of that process. And if I was a betting man, I think I would be betting on that it's just going to die a slow death and and disappear. And if that's true, if we have a look back, what what is the impact of Brexit? I don't think really from a global market perspective, Brexit is going to have a, a massive deal. So that's really that's really the important thing. Take a really long-term perspective on all these things. Ask yourself, do I really think this is really going to um, have, a, have a big impact in 20 years, 30 years from now. And almost always with these issues that, that dominate the media, almost always they're very short-term issues that won't really have an impact to long-term investors. For example, markets and, and economies have always moved in cycles. There's a recession, there's a boom time. You know, a boom time always follows a recession, a recession always follows a boom time. It's not a new phenomenon for long-term investors. Uh, Governments uh, change trade terms and strategies and so forth, and markets and businesses always adapt. You know, so a lot of these things aren't really new. So I guess what I'm sort of saying is play the long game. Focus on the long-term outcomes. Um, And if you do that, you don't need to get distracted by all the short-term noise. And as such, it's less likely that you'll make a decision that you regret in the future, which includes not making a decision, because you could regret that too. The thing is, short-term thinking does create a lot of unnecessary and extremely unhelpful anxiety. You end up focusing on you know whatever's dominating the news in that particular day, and there's always something to worry about. So there's always a reason not to invest, or always a reason not to take the risk. So to avoid it, you need to really focus on what's going to happen 20 years from now rather than 20 days or even uh, 20 months from now. Now, from a practical perspective, there's a few things that you can do as well. And if you're a share investor, you need to do two things, which is um, understand that you need to uh, uh, adopt the correct methodology and then skew your investments towards markets that are better valued. I want to come back and explain that in a second. If you're a property investor, it's really about leveling leveling up on quality. Don't worry so much about valuation. So let's talk for what what are these two elements for share investors. So firstly, the the methodology question is that if you share my belief that the equity markets uh, you know, the, the equity bull markets are going to come to an end 
sooner rather than later, whether we're at the end today or in one or two years' time from now, uh, is questionable. But uh, the bull market, particularly in the US, can't continue for another decade, or at least it's very, very unlikely. So if you share that view, then what you need to do is adopt a value-based approach. And I've uh, done a podcast on this a few weeks ago, and you'll certainly see the, the blog on our website about what is value-based investing, but it's really about investing in companies that have very sound underlying uh, fundamentals. You know, profit, strong balance sheet, good dividends, uh, low valuation, these sorts of things. Uh, so if you skew your investments towards more fundamentally sound uh, companies, they will weather economic storms and any other storms uh, created from, from trade uh, issues or, or restraints uh, a lot better than companies that don't have sound fundamentals. Uh, in terms of valuation, you skew your investments towards markets that are more fairly valued or look undervalued by comparison. And, and by definition, then you're skewing your investments away from markets that seem very overvalued. And it stands to logical reason that if you invest in a company or a market while it's cheap, you know, that your upside is or can be um, uh, pretty enjoyable, positive. Whereas if you invest in a company that's overpriced, well, your, your investment probably is only going to ever move in one direction in the long run. And the market will correct uh, that that overpricing or that premium will, will evaporate and you'll lose some some capital so for shares go value investing and skew towards markets that are better priced uh, for property it's just all about quality you know it's really focusing on the basics of supply and demand a strong land value component in an area that has a lot of scarcity that's going to benefit from sustainable and excessive demand. That is, demand is always going to outstrip supply. And remember, historic performance with respect to direct property is an excellent guide of future performance. So the best way then you can protect your investments if you're making a new property investment, level up on quality. If you can get yourself the best quality property in Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane, uh, you know that, of course, in the long run, you're almost always going to do well. Uh, valuations with, uh, why don't you focus on uh, valuations as much with properties you do with shares or why am I saying you don't need to? Uh, well, really because, um, equity markets in the short term, uh, are based on popularity and they can get overvalued and they can get overvalued by significant margin. So, you know, the intrinsic value or the real value of a, a market or a company, uh, um, uh, can can be, you know, a lot different to the actual market value. Whereas with property, prices are a hell of a lot less volatile, mainly because of transactional costs with property and because of the amounts that we're investing, you know, or the amounts that it, it takes to buy an asset. Um, and as a result, uh, prices tend to not move that far away from their intrinsic value. So even in a really hot market, you know, it's it's difficult, unless you're a complete fool, difficult to really substantially overpay for a property. Uh, so therefore, quality will trump the price that you pay. Even if you pay 5% more than what you really need to, 5% above its intrinsic value, if you've bought a 10 out of 10 property in the long run over a 20 or 30 year period, it's not going to make or break your investment. Whereas if you go into an equity market that is substantially overvalued, which can happen, 
you know, that the, the studies show that your starting valuation is a really good indicator of what your future returns will be. And so if you do that, chances are your investment won't work. The other thing you can do is look for opportunities. And look, if you're looking for problems, you'll probably always see problems. If you're looking for opportunities, you will also hopefully find those opportunities. And sometimes this short-term market noise, this popularity can create uh, opportunities in the marketplace. For example, the the US-China trade tensions have really weighed on emerging market valuations. That is, they've really pushed valuations down to a level that, you know, seemingly emerging markets look cheap. Emerging markets uh, include uh, businesses that are listed in in countries such as China and Taiwan and India and so forth. And they're typically uh, not developed markets, so they don't necessarily have a lot of reliable oversight and regulation from a financial perspective, uh, but they do um, potentially have significantly better growth prospects. Now, we did a, I did a podcast about um, basics of share investing where I talked about um, using a P ratio, a price earnings ratio, which is a good measure for how a company is valued, whether it's valued um, aggressively or conservatively and so forth. Um, so you can certainly check that out. But the P ratio in emerging markets at the moment in the index is uh, 12.8 times, which is very low for an emerging market. You know, if you compare that to the US market at the moment, the price earnings ratio uh, for the for the index, S&P 500 index, is 21 times, 64% higher than emerging markets. Normally you would see, because of the gross prospects, uh, a P ratio um, uh, equal to or higher than developed markets. Uh, so by these measures and other measures such, such as book uh, price value, Emerging markets look cheap by comparison. The reason they look cheap uh, is because of really all the U.S. trade, the uncertainty created by U.S.-China trade trade tensions and markets hate uncertainty. The uncertainty will disappear one day. You know, whether the whether the Trump, um, because of fear of a global, causing a global recession, comes to the party and, and makes an agreement with China or whether Trump doesn't win the next election... Um, whatever might happen, they it will dissipate at some point, and markets then will uh, go probably return back to normalised levels. As Warren Buffett suggests, the share market is a popularity contest in the short run. However, in the long run, it's more of a weighing machine in that the fundamentals of markets will really drive long-term returns, not the popularity. At the moment, emerging markets aren't popular, mainly because of uh, President Trump's actions. But perhaps you can take advantage of this. And this is an example of how this noise or rhetoric, you can use it to your advantage. What impact is it having on the market? Is that impact fundamentally sound? And can I take a position that is fundamentally sound to generate good quality long-term returns? Now, word of warning, this is only an example. Emerging markets, they're only an example I'd like to use in this instance. Emerging markets investments are high risk. And typically less than 5% of your portfolio should be invested in emerging markets, depending on your risk profile and your age and stage of life, perhaps maybe even zero. Uh, Also, indexing, which is really passive strategies, don't typically work as well in emerging markets as they do in developed markets. So it's typically best to use active fund management. But when it comes to emerging markets, just be very careful. 
I'm not espousing the benefits. Let's put all your money into emerging markets. I'm just using it as an example of how the, re- the, the China-US trade talk rhetoric has an impact on valuations that are likely to be temporary uh, and potentially creates opportunity for investors. Uh, So I started this podcast with the comment that it feels like there's more uncertainty at the moment. And I guess the most important word in that statement is it feels like. You know, feelings are typically shaped by two really dominant emotions in fear and greed. And none of those emotions are particularly helpful when it comes to making financial decisions. Uh, So therefore, avoid allowing the news of the day to shape your financial decision-making process, including the temptation to delay or procrastinate making decision. Instead, put your feelings aside and just look at the facts. Make an evidence-based decision. Get astute, independent advice. And most of all, focus on the long run. Play the long game. You know, ask yourself, what is the best investment you can make today that will maximise your wealth in 20 years' time? And what happens over the next two years, for example, is completely irrelevant. Don't even waste your time thinking about at the two-year time horizon. And that's the best way to navigate these seemingly turbulent times. Focus on those fundamentals and play the long game. That's it for this week. Uh, until next week, bye for now.